Hello and welcome to the Narrowboat Podcast. My name is Lydia and this is a series of conversations between me and other individuals or companies who have taken to the water. In this episode, I'm joined by Melanie from Tillagirl.com. Melanie bought her boat in 2018 with the intentions of renting it out as a holiday boat. It's become quite the successful small business, so I'm excited to have her on the show to learn all about it. Hi Mel, thanks for joining me today. Hello Lydia, lovely, thank you for asking me. Really excited. So do you want to talk me through why you decided to buy your boat originally? Mm. <laughs> Difficult one. Um, I semi-retired from the NHS. I'm a community midwife and have been a nurse and midwife for, oh gosh, over 40 years. And uh, took uh, my NHS pension, had a lump sum and felt we needed to do something with it. We, as my husband and I, as a couple. And we were looking at the normal things like holiday cottages by the sea that we could use or cottages in the Dales, because I've always wanted to do some kind of self-catering. My son has lived on a narrow boat since he came back from Austria about seven or eight years ago. And he said, no, mum, you don't want a cottage, you want to buy a boat. (laughs) So that planted the seed. And um, one weekend, we just happened to think, okay, let's go and have a look. So we went to Castle Marina in Nottingham, just for that first little look. I thought, okay, that's not too bad. Went again the following week, and the boat had literally just come in, literally, only five minutes previously. And um, he says, oh, come and have a look at this. So David Morby showed us round with the owner, and um, we just really loved it. There was a bit to do. She was built as a two-birth liverboard, so we did realise there was a bit to do. And within a week, the job was done. It's crazy how many people seem to go for the first one that they see. That amazes me. Uh, I was a little bit afterwards, probably for a couple of days after we'd seen it. I was very, very enthusiastic. But as my dad always used to say, always sleep on it. You know, wait till the following morning, give yourself a couple of days if it still feels like a good idea. And I was given quite a chance, you know, when we were going through the finances, going through the survey to actually pull out at any point. Mm. And it just seemed the right thing to do. And it all just fell into place. And okay, maybe if we'd have spent a lot longer looking around, I might have found something different. But we were so sure that this was the one for us. Well, that's it. We bought it there and then. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose it is. It can be quite scary when you're buying a boat because it goes so fast, doesn't it? That you don't want to sit back and then someone else is going to come in and swoop the boat that you viewed. But then do you wait to find something that might be more up your street? It's difficult, isn't it? And there's so much choice. You know, we have looked around a few boats since just to get an idea of layout. And obviously I did loads of research on the internet looking at boats for sale. Mm. And with Tiller Girl, she was only just four years old. Right. So that was one of the things that we felt she was safe to do. Um, the survey came back cracking. You know, there wasn't a lot. There was a few little mechanical things on the inside, but she was a sound boat. She'd been reasonably well looked after. Mm. Not brilliantly fitted out, but uh, we felt the basics were there yeah. and we'd felt pretty safe with her. So do you mind me asking how much you bought her for? Uh, we paid 55000 for her. Just right off the bat, do you feel like that's been worth it so far? 
Yes, absolutely. I've spent probably about another 15000 on interior. Not done a lot on the external. That was supposed to be done earlier this year, but because of lockdown, that got put back. But my husband has someone he knows who's a carpenter, and him and I had a meeting, and we had tried to fix all the little bits and pieces, put new solid oak worktops in, finished off some of the... A lot of the little bits weren't finished off very well. Trimmings, I had little hearts put in the wardrobe doors to give a bit of ventilation, but also for the aesthetic effect as well. <laughs> so um, that sort of boutique, narrowboat look. Yeah, yeah, just to make it a little bit different, I think, is what we didn't want it to be a normal hire boat we wanted it to be just that little bit special Mm. so let's talk about what you need to do in terms of running a business on a narrow boat what do you need in order to operate I think first of all you've got to have some guts (laughs) (laughs) I've never had my own business before my husband is self-employed so he has been an absolute star yeah I had to start right at the beginning We have had, as a family, lots and lots of holidays. My son, as I said, has lived on a boat. And he, when he bought it, he completely gutted it and rebuilt it from the inside. So he's very knowledgeable and he's been a massive help. Mm. Plus, my brother and my nephew are both marine engineers. Unfortunately, on the west coast of Scotland, not down here. Um, So using the people around me. My parents ran some holiday chalets in Scotland on the West Coast for a long period of time as mm. well. They had a holiday complex. So I used lots and lots of different resources yeah. um, to pull it all together, advice from people. And basically, I just grabbed it by the horns then. I sort of stole, plagiarised from other hire boats. Again, did my research, just went round all of them, looked at them, looked at their manuals, looked at their contracts um, to pull it together. The Canal and River Trust give an awful lot of guidance. So I had to get the correct insurance in place, which wasn't easy. I had to get a commercial license from the Canal and River Trust. And to be able to do that, you've got to have quite a substantial handover policy, make sure all the safety issues are in place, like a commercial safety certificate as well, Mm -hmm. fire certificate. So it took loads of time trying to resource all these people, trying to put it all together. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I'm quite used to writing things like guidelines, policies, risk assessments through work. So that was quite helpful. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. And then the marina, Sorley Marina, have the manager there, Julie, has been an absolute star. They used to run a hire company called Canal Time, which I think was national. Right. At some point. My boat was actually a canal time boat. Oh, wow. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and they used to run, I believe, from Sorley. So um, Julie gave me one of their little manuals, so I was able to use that as guidance as well. Yeah, that's really helpful. Which was good. And then just getting the, the inside and the outside, making sure everything was working properly, making sure it was clean, making sure we'd got everything in place. Mm. Um, as I would like it, as well as the safety side. So it's been a pretty big job. So in terms of costs then for those licenses that you need to run your business, you say you have a commercial CRT license. Do you have to pay that on top of your original CRT license or is that 
just the one? No, no, it's just a one-off commercial license and it's about double the price yeah. of what a normal license would be. But it's just one-off, you don't, you don't pay it yearly or anything like yes, that? Yes, you pay every, yes, it's an annual payment, same as your insurance. Okay, and is that also based on the length of your boat or the size of your boat? It is, yes, it's so much per foot. Okay, and so what is the length of yours actually? It's 57, we have 57 foot boat. Okay, and so for your 57 foot boat, do you mind me asking how much you pay for that commercial licence? Well, I paid just under £1,000 last year. When I went onto the website, it should have been substantially more. But when I spoke to the woman who dealt with it at CRT in Leeds, it seemed to be because I'm a one-off, I don't have a fleet as such, Mm. and whether I was just starting off. So I paid just under £1,000, where if you actually look on the website, it works out a lot more than that. So I think she was probably just being kind. Yeah, that's no, that's really interesting. Okay, well, there you go. It might be worth if anyone else is looking into doing it just to get in contact and actually speak to someone and you might get that sort of discount maybe. Well, very much. They were very helpful, very helpful. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken on the podcast already. I think the CRT actually are, you know, they, they're, they're really great. They're really helpful. And, you know, if you have a problem, they're always happy to help out. Yeah, absolutely. We've always found that, whether they're volunteers or whether we've had to ring up with a query. They've always been extremely helpful. Yeah. So you also have to pay commercial insurance. Do you have a rough estimate of how much that is a year? Uh, yes, that was about eight and a half hundred pounds last year. And that was through MS Amlin. But apparently they've stopped doing that kind of insurance anymore. I just spoke to the insurance broker yesterday and she's looking for a new insurer for me. Last year with the MS Amelin, I didn't get, <laughs> none of us foresaw COVID. COVID. <laughs> How um, could we? And, <laughs> um, and where you have insurance for loss of revenue, mm. that wasn't included, which we can understand because we've not done it before. So I think insurance companies now are looking at that from what Hannah was saying yesterday mm. to see that if there is a lockdown again, God forbid that we get some type of recompense. Yeah. And so you run your boat out of Sully Marina or that's where it's permanently moored. So do you just pay normal mooring fees there or is there a sort of business mooring fee included? No, I pay, again, I pay a commercial mooring fee, um, which is the normal mooring fee plus 30%. Okay. That's that's not too bad, is it then, really? Well, yeah, what is it, about another £300, I think, maybe Mm. a little bit more. Yeah. But Saul and Marina have been amazing, absolutely amazing. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit then, because I didn't know if marinas would be that open to having businesses run out of their, you know, facilities and things like that. So, yeah, why don't we talk about your experience and, um, and what your customers or clients are allowed to do within the marina? Okay. Well, initially, we more permanently on one of the private piers at Sawley, Mm -hmm. and we have an embarkation point, which used to be one of the canal time embarkation points, which they have given us for our sole use. Mm -hmm. And that's so that any of the customers don't actually go into the private parts of the marina. So we have dedicated parking spaces. They can park in the visitor's car park for no extra payment that's completely secure 
at night there's cameras and the gates get locked six o'clock in the evening till six o'clock in the morning so that the customers can feel safe that their Mm -hmm. cars are relatively secure and then they come back to the marina when they've finished their trip I bring them back into the embarkation see them off get it all cleaned and set up and then either we go back to the private mooring or I'll stay on the embarkation if we've only got a couple of days between hirers we can use the waste disposal we can use the LSAN disposal so anything else that's public they can use so there's a a cafe now on there there's a chandler's so they've got plenty of things to see and if they want to buy bits and pieces although I must admit all the guests have come very well equipped and very well supplied with food clothing and everything that they've needed yeah I suppose it's just one less thing to worry about it is yeah I do give them a, a list of what's on board and I do supply little extras you know there's tea and coffee and sugar and condiments and things for the first couple of days just there's always those little things that you've forgotten mm-hmm. on the, yeah. you know like cooking oil so I do supply all of that those um, enough for you know the day or two or for your first cup of tea So when the customers arrive, they park in the car park. I take along a little trolley to bring all the bags. Usually takes two or three trips, I must say. (laughs) And then we get them loaded up. Um, They have a look round, make sure that they're happy with the boat, make sure it's what they expected. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's my aim is to make sure that they're enjoying what they're having, you know, what's on offer. Absolutely. And then we have a two-hour handover where I go through everything on the boat with them. We talk about the safety, we talk about the fire extinguishers, the gas, gas points and the and the cassette. We have a cassette toilet, we don't have a pump out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a spare cassette as well in a box. And once they're settled and once we've finished the handover on the inside, I have a couple of contract papers that I have them to sign one to say that they're happy that I've gone through everything with them and that they're happy that they understand. And also I do ask them if they've got any previous experience, not necessarily just with narrow boats, but with sailing, yep. with diesel engines, driving, always a good one, you know, things like that. So it helps me to gauge the level of instruction that yeah. I need to give them. And then we set off. And I t- depending on which way they go, this year we've had everybody's gone up Trent and Mersey rather than going down the Trent or the Saw. And I have suggested this because they've all been first time as bar one and that family knew the boat that were used to sailing. So they went down to the Trent to Newark. Mm-hmm. Everybody else I've suggested stick on the canal, which they have done. And so I take them up on to the Trent and Mersey just above the Derwent Lock, Derwent Mouth Lock. And then we sit and we have a chat and then I say, are you happy? And they go, hmm, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It's always nerve-wracking when you first have to drive a boat, I think. It is, isn't it? And it's, it's always been... The men are always the drivers, I must just admit, and it's the look on their faces. And I said to the last guests on Thursday, as I left them at dinner, and I said, I wish I could take a picture of everybody's face. Yeah. And I go, okay, I'm going now. <laughs> that would be quite the collage, I think. <laughs> it would. And it may be one when they come back too. I think it's really funny that you say that it's always the men who drive, because... 
I've witnessed a lot that the uh, the men do the locks and the women drive into the locks. Although I must admit, a lot of times I've seen as soon as they've come out of the lock, you know, the husband will jump on and then take over. Mm. But I mean, on my boat, I suppose because I own it and um, and my boyfriend doesn't, but he is terrified of driving it. And so I always drive it and he always does the locks. And even if my dad comes down, he'll do the locks and I'll drive it. Yeah. Uh, well, John and I take it in turns when we're out. Yeah. We do go. I did once have, um, when I took it into a lock earlier on this year and some chap at the top went, mm, nice driving. <laughs> I didn't know whether to be impressed or think, Offended. <laughs> Offended because, yes, I am a woman and, yes, I can get that boat into the lot quite nicely. Yeah. But you do, I think generally it tends to be the men that drive, doesn't it? Maybe the women are busy making cups of tea inside. Oh, no, let's not stereotype. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just at first the men are more confident to do it. I think that's what it is. Yeah. If, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, if they're new to it as a family. But, I, you know, I'll definitely encourage the women to do it because I think we're much more careful drivers. Yes, I think we're, um, we're better at going more slowly, mm-hmm. thinking about things. I know the two or three of the guests this year, once we come out of Sawley Marina and through the floodlock, I ask whoever would like to drive. I ask them to take the tiller and just so that they get a feel of that while we go up sorely cut, a little bit of the Trent till we get towards the uh, Derwent Mouth Lock. Mm-hmm. That's when they start to get a little bit, oh, have I got to moor it up there? So we tend to do it together, but I have noticed a couple of times quite heavy on the reversing or quite all of a sudden it's like shove the throttle forward. Yeah, it's panic, isn't um, it? It is, yeah. And I keep saying, just do everything really slowly. If you bump the boat, it really doesn't matter, mm. you know, if it gets a gentle bump. Uh, where the women I've noticed are just that little bit more gentle. Whether that's because they're more wary, where mm. the chaps... But again, I don't want to stereotype because they're all different. Yeah, I think my dad would jump right in and say, well, I'm not, you know, Lydia's not very careful. Because when I first got mine, he was, he's quite experienced as a boater anyway. So he was very like, just do everything slowly and it will, you know, be calm. And I'm there like going, (laughs) (laughs) you know, trying to, oh God, I was, I was not very good at first. And I used to get quite panicked, especially when I was trying to park it in the marina. I used to get quite panicked, but I've learned now. You've just got to keep calm and don't panic because we've had a lot of problems getting in and out mm-hmm. from our mooring. We've now moved and been given a better mooring. Yeah. But because of the way the wind comes across the marina, oh God, as yeah. soon as we get out, it used to push you in the opposite direction. And until you get used to your own boat and how the wind is, mm. it can be quite difficult, can't it? And I've had some scary moments. Yeah. But now, like, yeah, I just think, don't panic. Yeah. Don't panic. It can be real, you know, panic attack times though, can't it? And especially when, when it starts going wrong, if the wind pushes, you know, your bow out or something and you can't get it where you want to go. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can't do it. I'm just going to. I'm just no. never. I'm just never going to get in that space. I'm just always going to be, you know, out here. And you do, and it, it sometimes it can take a while to really figure out what you want to do. Sometimes you just need to reverse, go back, come back in, you know. But God, in that moment, it can be stressful. I think as well, it's working with the wind, isn't it? You know, yeah. trying to use the wind to your advantage. 
Hmm. I'm still learning quite a lot of helmsman's tips. I am hoping at some time I'll get I'll find the time to go on a helmsman's course. But the people in the marina have been absolutely fabulous at helping out the people in the boats next door, the liverboards, the people who have been on the boats for a long period of time. They've all been really good. Somebody showed me the other day how to use the boat. I went into the marina, the wind quarters, and I ended up, fortunately I didn't hit anybody, I didn't bump anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up on the end of one of the piers. Yeah, And um, Andy came with me he said no let me show you how to use the wind so all he did was using the bow line he just we wanted to turn the boat round and all he did was hold the bow line into the jetty mm. started to push the boat round and the boat just went round with the wind yeah and then he just held it in and it came into the side and he said right we're heading into the wind now so if we now get on he pushed the bow right out again and off we went. And he said, there's no panic. You're not using your engine. You're not reversing. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing is people stand and watch you, don't they? Oh, always. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it's the worst because as soon as someone's watching it, so it all goes wrong. When no one's there, you, you're a perfect driver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's learning all those little tips, isn't it? And And it's just time. And like you said, it's learning about your own boat. Yeah. In my marina, we have a um, a bridge. And so there's quite a flow of water and we really have to be careful with that. Like our pump out machine is right next to where the bridge is. And so when I'm leaving mm-hmm. that station or that pontoon, I have to have someone hold my bow line on the pontoon so that the flow of water will push my boat out. And then I can right. start to reverse. Because if I just reverse straight out of the pontoon, I'll just be right right up against the wall and I'll get stuck. So it really is just learning those things. And there's no way that you can know that the first time that you do it. No, no. Unlike all the guests who go out, they've all come back saying how helpful people are, how Mm. useful they are at locks. Nobody, Touchwood, has had anything major yet. We've had a few little problems on the boat, mostly with batteries and the inverter. People overusing them. Yeah, I think they forget that there are only 12-volt batteries. One chap rung me quite a few times and I found out they'd been using a Wi-Fi and trying to top up three phones during the night, right? as well as having the lights on. And um, at one point, uh, well, I think actually the batteries need replacing now because they've never really charged properly since then. We've managed and Mm. they've been fine, but... And these are the things that you have to, um, we've got to be on top of, really, when it's a higher boat. Yeah, it's such a big thing to get your head around the, the narrowboat batteries things. And you can't expect people to really understand it, no matter how many times you underline it in a manual. <laughs> no. no. Just the whole fact that you are you can't drain those batteries, you can only use about half of their capacity, is, uh, mm. is very new to a lot of people. It is. And there's so much to remember you know, I realise this when I'm handing over, doing the handover and telling people how this works, how that works. If they've had caravan experience, mm-hmm. that's brilliant because they know how the toilets work, they know how the gas and the batteries. Um, I do have two solar panels as well, which tend to keep the batteries topped up quite nicely. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot to remember. Yeah. And sometimes you can't remember it all until something happens and then say oh yes then we remembered that you told us to do this 
or but I am on the end of the phone and I've said to them all you know please uh, although I do have another job I still do work as a midwife so I mm. have shifts at work where I can't answer my phone I keep an eye on it but I don't answer it during shift times unless it's an emergency which touch wood we've not had and then I don't mind them texting me or ringing me and it's usually very simple things like the toilet's full already yeah. okay <laughs> um or we can't get the tv to work you know just little things like that yeah but generally everybody's been so good and so you mentioned just a while ago that you haven't had any big bashes or anything but is that something that you were nervous about when you got the vote um yes I think I would imagine that that's a thought that every self-catering person has that somebody is going to either set the place on fire or in case of a boat going to sink it my main fear is that somebody's going to be hurt, Yeah, that somebody's going to fall in or they're going to fall off in a lock. I had one couple <laughs> and <laughs> I do say to them all, please don't stand on the roof and don't stand on the gunnels. The only place you can stay is where the rubberizes on the back or when you fill in the water at the front. You mustn't mm. walk down them. And I went down to meet them at Sorley Lock, which is a mechanical lock. And they were having to wait for a boat to come out. As it came in, one of the guests stood on the roof as it was coming into Mm. the lock. And my heart was in my mouth. Yeah, I bet. And I had to say, if you just kneel down... yeah because she she wasn't very young I said my heart's in my mouth will you just kneel on the boat and I had to say after she said well we used to being on boats and we're used to sailing but my fear was she fell off that boat fell into that lock and was hurt and that's my main feeling um the bumps I'm not that bothered about I mean boats are made to be bumped to a certain extent as long as they don't upset anybody else, as long as they don't sink it in a lock or set fire to it. I do ask them all for a a £100 damage bond, Mm. which really is a drop in the ocean when it comes to fixing anything big, as I'm sure you're aware. Mm. But but I think it just mentally and subconsciously makes them think, oh, well, we'll better be careful, otherwise Melanie's not going to give me my money back. <laughs> and I'm not talking about broken glasses or you know the odd broken plate. Yeah, um, like a bent if, tiller or a... yeah. If it was something that was going to be substantial, then that's different. Mm. But otherwise, no. You know, that's it's all part of it, isn't it? And if we give good instruction and safe instruction and plenty of backup, I've got little aid de memoirs everywhere, just nice polite notices mm. saying, please don't forget to do this or please remove the tiller and the tiller pin so that nobody will steal it while you're asleep. Just little things like that. Yeah. So when they come back into the marina, do you do a little bit of a once over and then give them back their deposit then and there? Yes. Yes. They come back into the marina, they take away their own rubbish and they empty their own LSAN. I take them to the LSAN point and we do that together normally. And then I do a walkthrough once they've got all their belongings off so that I can just walk through. Somebody's always left something in the shower, always. (laughs) Generally, people have been very, very clean, very clean, and it's all been, I've not had a problem at all. But I would keep back if there was, you know, if it was left in a bit of a state, Mm. um, then I've put in the contract that I would keep back £50 for extra cleaning. It's me that does the cleaning anyway. Right. But um, it would be extra cleaning for that and obviously if there was any major damage that was caused 
by them being well either disrespectful or just through their own fault you know that maybe I hadn't explained properly or was a mistake that's different but if it was I remember once when we were kids we did dad was driving the boat into a lock and we got the front court on the sill only for a few moments but things fell off into the sink and cracked the sink Oh, so, you know, no. straight away, that's just something. No, Mum and Dad, we had to pay for it, you know, because it was our fault. Yeah. Um, but anything like that, then I would keep that back. But so far, everybody's had their money returned to them at the end of the holiday. That's good. I've never had a, a run-in with a sill in a lock yet. I'm not looking forward to that, if that ever happens. <laughs> no. <laughs> Quite scary. No. When we see the pictures, don't you, of sunken boats in locks, I just think, oh, no. Yeah, it's that one, or it's the getting your your ropes caught up on the bollards when you're in a lock, and then you've got your boat hanging. Yes, from one side. Terrifying. So I'd like to ask you about how busy it is around where you have your boat. I mean, do you have a lot of competition with other hire boat companies where you're based? Uh, No, not at all, which I was quite surprised at. I'm the only one at the marina. I believe there is one at Shardlow but I've not seen it or heard anything about it. And I think the others are along towards Baron Trent. Um, I think that's the only other one. So I don't seem to have much competition around where I am. So do Canal Time not, not run there anymore? No, no, they don't. I haven't done for a long time, apparently. They've packed up. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I do see every now and then on Apollo Duck a couple of their ex-hire boats go up. I mean... Mine was built in 2000, so that's how old that was. But that was, as I say, ex-fleet. So, um, how, yeah. How can you tell that the canal time? You can tell because they've got the, the name all over it. and it's. Um, oh, have they still? Well, actually, the big thing about it is that the front is enclosed exactly like your boat. Um, ah, right, right. So we got the bed completely at the front and that's not very common. It doesn't have a window or anything. Does yours have a window? I think yours. It does have it. Yes, I, we do have a window at the front, um, which just opens. It's just a little, um, just comes in a little bit. Mm. Um, you can lift it out. Um, but we were thinking about having some doors, some little doors put in. Mm. so that you could lay in bed and have the doors open on a morning to make it feel a little bit more open. I'd love to have a window at the front of mine, but I wouldn't, you know, I'd never give up that that bed at the front. I absolutely love it. But maybe one day... It's lovely, isn't it? Oh, Mm. I mean, you just don't get beds that that lovely or that big on canal boats. It's heaven. That's. I think that's one of the pluses of having this as a slightly more boutique boat I think he used earlier Mm. that it's just that little bit more comfortable my initial idea was to have it as a two berth retreat type Mm. thing you know for couples the majority of people that have been on so far have been I've had mostly couples but I've had a four or three four adults um I don't the only thing is with the boat is I don't have anywhere for four adults to sit and eat together right okay because my intention was uh, the two birth and I had a beautiful breakfast bar put in which you can get three at so I'm probably going to have to look in at what the bookings are going to be hopefully next year if I am going to get more where there are four people then I may have to look at rejigging a little bit 
So I had assumed that your second bed on the boat was like a dinette that goes down. So is that not the case? Where is the second bed? No, it isn't. It's um, a big futon, a proper futon, big oak right. futon that is very, very comfortable. Very easy to pull down and put into place. You literally stand behind it, lift it and take it out and it goes straight into a double. And you can still walk round slightly on one side. Oh, okay, but then, but other than that, it is a sofa and not an eating area. Yes, it is a sofa bed, and it's quite a large sofa bed. Our intentions are eventually that we'll probably have a custom made, maybe a, a little L shape or something like that. But it's it's all money, Lydia. You oh, know, yeah, we have is. to. We've had to, you know, do what we can at the moment with the funds that we've got, and then. We'll just take it from there. Yeah. I've got a long list of wishes, <laughs> but we'll have to wait for that. I think we all do. It's just everything in, you know, in time. I always say that when my bank account allows, I'll do it. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So yeah, it's an ongoing project. I mean, you know, it's not just you get the boat, you do it up in the first three months and then it's finished forever. There's always going to be things you want to change and always things that you, you couldn't afford to do when you got it, but now you can. Yeah, and it's just making sure as long as your costs, are, your basic costs are covered, such as the insurance, your commercial license, you know, and all of those, that's the main thing for me, that it's paying for itself. If I can get more than that, which I hope I can next year with a longer season, then um, we can start improvements. You know, it's not going to go into my pocket. It's going to go back into the boat. One of the big things I wanted to originally was to change the colours because right. I saw the orange and blue and I thought, oh, my word, you know, it's a bit garish. That's not traditional narrowboat. Mm. But to be fair, we've had so many comments, so many positive comments about oh, we love your colour. We love the colour of the boat. It's so yeah. different. It really stands out. It really does. It does, doesn't it? It's it's very different. So we've decided that we're going to keep the colours the same. And all I have to do now is choose between the three different orange paints that there are. <laughs> the three different. Which I'm not quite sure. We've no record of what the colours are oh, at all. Oh, I see. Okay. Written anywhere. So um, the blue I've got down to one, which is near enough the same. Yeah. But um, I've got to decide which orange it's going to be. I suppose it could have been a custom colour as well. My my boat is currently a custom colour. Oh, yours is just beautiful. Such <laughs> gorgeous colours, really. That I think that you know that pale green is quite soothing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a shout out. You like Tillagilda. It's like, I'm blue and orange all over. Um, but at least she gets noticed. Yeah, no, exactly. I think for the commercial aspect, I think having the nice bright roof and things like that is going to draw the eye. It's going to make people look at your boat. And do you have signs and things on the side that say tillagirl.com? Not at the moment. All we have is it just says tillagirl at the side mm-hmm. and it's got tillagirl on the front. Uh, we've got some more bits and pieces to put on it, but I need to get the colour better at the moment i've just bought some like paint restorer to try mm-hmm. and pull it because i can't do the blues on the sides just yet on the main body of the boat mm-hmm. i don't really want it advertised when it's out and about as a higher boat i do feel that there is a little bit of 
astigmatism is that the right yeah word? there is there is for higher boats um and to the guests they say most of the guests have come back and said oh people have said oh how long have we had the boat and i said what do you say and they say oh we've just borrowed it for a week <laughs> yeah so we tend to say it's a borrowed boat rather than a higher boat yeah i think that's a good approach yeah and then people i think most is going to be going up and down the trent to mersey quite a lot over the next year or two so i think people will get to know when they see different people on the back and i've got quite a few people people i've met on instagram facebook um who keep sending me messages and saying oh we've just seen you going up towards shardlow or yeah you're like not me (laughs) (laughs) not me this week (laughs) so in terms of the uh the cost for renting your boat out then obviously you said that you did lots of research into other hire boat companies so how did you settle on a price that yours would be and do you have sort of a peak and off peak price or do you only operate in the summer? I do yes I have a high season and a low season I just want to keep it really simple mm-hmm. so it's a basic price I took the average of most of the higher boats looked at what they offered looked mm-hmm. at the length of the boat what was on it how much they charged so I've gone on an average of a two to four berth boat and just taken that as an average now this year because of COVID and because it was my first season, I kept low season prices throughout the summer. Right. So that has this summer up until now, that has now paid for all my bills up until next April. So that's paid my insurance, my commercial license and my mooring fees Mm. and a few other little bits and pieces, fuel but obviously my wages as such for cleaning, maintaining the boat and taking it out, labour mm. is, you do you always do that for nothing. I think when you first start a business, you don't really get any profits at all. But as from next year, from Easter is the first week in April. So from the 1st of April, I will be going back to full price, which is the same as most hire boats in the area or across the Midlands and and north of England. The chap who did my boat safety certificate, he said I should be charging more because it's not like a normal hire boat. But I just felt I wanted to be in the same league as everybody else. Yeah, you don't Um, want to put yourself as elite and then not get that sort of business. No. And it's, you know, it's not a cheap holiday, is it? No, exactly. You know, and I think I've had quite a lot of inquiries this year. Um, touch wood, I couldn't have taken any more bookings. Um, I've been full. COVID's helped that a little bit as well. Um, well, because so many people are choosing to stay in the UK. Yes, yes. Plus the fact that it's been easier because I've got to have 72 hours between bookings so that it's stripped, cleaned and left for 72 hours and sanitized and the deep clean and all the rest of it then I've had to have gaps so people have been very very flexible and I've been flexible as well to try and fit them in mm. um, also between my shifts at work which has probably worked to my advantage in that I've been able to say well can't do that this time because I'm at work but I can take you from this day mm-hmm. so that's made it a lot easier how it's going to be next season, I don't know. I mean, none of us know really no. how it's going to be as far as uh, bookings and things are concerned. 
but it's it's worked really well so far this year. Yeah. So um, other things to mention as well. Are you dog friendly? I'm very dog friendly. We have three beautiful spaniels ourselves. So uh, we do take dogs. I've had a couple of inquiries, people with four dogs. Four? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) No matter how big they are, I think that's a little bit too much. Just because I've got to be really careful of the bedding, you know, not to be on the sofas and and things like that. But no, we are dog friendly. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Do you ever get a chance to enjoy the boat yourself? Do you ever get to take it out? Uh, occasionally <laughs> we've not had much we last time we went out before this summer we took a week off in September because we wanted to go down to Newark and just see how the river was and just so that we can give more information to the customers and um, we didn't get out of the marina because of the rain and the oh, wind God, yeah. and the floods so we spent three days on the boat just walking and what have you, and sitting on the boat and having peace and quiet. And then we thought, we better just go home now because it was so bad. And then obviously the floods came. So we didn't go out again on her till June. We weren't allowed in the marina, obviously, for quite a long period of time. Yeah. Lockdown. And then when we were allowed back in, we could only go for the day. I went back and started cleaning, spring cleaning and getting dinner ready. Mm. And then John and I went out for a week, which was lovely, except that I was painting the gunnels and (laughs) doing all the little menial jobs and things Mm. like that while we were out ready for our first booking. And we've not been out, we've been busy all summer. So we're hoping maybe later on we've got customers out this week, customers out next week, and then we've got a honeymoon couple oh, in that's October. Oh, that's sweet, isn't it? Which I'm really excited about. So we're just keeping fingers crossed for the weather that we're not going to have the same weather as last October. And then she'll be coming back into the marina for the winter. So if we've got decent weekends, John and I will take the dogs out and we'll go wherever we can, just have a few days on her. Yeah. I mean, the weather this summer has been so up and down, hasn't it? We've had heat waves, we've had storms. I mean, I feel so sorry for the higher boaters who come out when it's been absolutely chucking it down. Yeah. And you've still got to do it. We've been lucky in that the days that we've been out, when we've had clients going out, we've been fine until <laughs> I've got to do with lock. And then the heavens have opened. Mm. And I'm the one that's getting wet because I have to walk back to the marina. <laughs> Yeah, and you just feel so guilty, don't you, that, you know, they're going out for three days or something and it's like, yeah. oh, this is going to be miserable for you. Have fun. And, and nobody's complained. Um, we had When we had that rain, um, was it two, three weeks ago, we had a couple yeah. on. And um, unfortunately, the mushroom at the front of the boat right over the bed leaked. You know, the, if the wind catches it, it comes in through the mushroom, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, comes down the side. And um, she said, there was water dripping on me. I didn't know where the leak was. And it was only because the rain was so, well, it was virtually horizontal. Yeah. It had just leaked down into the mushroom. It was absolutely torrential. It was. It was horrendous. But they seem to take it. I think most of us, when we know we're having a, as they call it now a staycation yeah we know what British weather's like don't we and we just have to go with it yeah if it's nice then you get really you know you've got really lucky and if it's rainy then you just go oh England yes yeah you do and you get your waterproofs on and you just carry on yeah exactly 
Exactly. And if you know you're going to get wet and you're not really going anywhere else, then it's not too bad, is it? You just go out and you laugh at yourself with it and you get your wellies on and you deal with it. That's right. Yeah. The last couple said, um, said, I just wondered that when you get on the back of the boat and it starts to rain, you just moor up and you get inside and you keep warm. He said, and then I realised I wasn't going to spend my holiday inside the boat. Yeah. He said, so I just got all my waterproofs on, got my brolly up. <laughs> and he, he said, we just went along with the brolly and, um, and just did what we had to do. Yeah. It's still fun. It is fun. Yeah, very much so. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we wrap this up? I can't think of anything at the moment, apart from to say that it has been such a steep learning curve, but I have enjoyed every single minute. Maybe not when the wind's caught me a little bit and I bumped into somebody's boat, but yeah, I've learned by that mistake. And anybody who is considering doing a venture like this, don't be faint-hearted. Do your research. Um, just make sure all those little I's are dotted, your T's across, especially with safety and providing what you feel is really good for your guests. But go for it. It's been absolutely wonderful. And I learn something new every single day. I think that's a really lovely point to end on. Thank you so much, Melanie, for agreeing to be on the podcast. This has been really insightful, actually. Thank you very much, Lydia, for inviting me and I look forward to listening to it. Fantastic. Okay, I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Super. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Narrowboat Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review. Check out the show notes to find links to anything we've mentioned, including where to find me and my guest on social media. If you'd like to tell your story in the show, you can send an email to narrowboat.podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram to keep informed of when you can expect new episodes. My handle is narrowboat underscore lily underscore may, may spell M-A-E. But for now, thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next time.